Pulls up the three. Boom! Knocks it down. Curry from the corner at three. Puts it in. For overtime. Makes it. Garrett. Welcome to the MVP cast from me, Mark Woods. Thank you as always for joining us on the podcast. You can, of course, keep up to date with British basketball news via the social media channels of MVP cast. Just search for MVP cast, obviously, on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook. And don't forget, of course, in addition to downloading the pod via your preferred provider, you can also get us via your smart speaker. So just ask Alexa or Google or the other devices to play the MVP cast via your podcast app. Now, our guest this edition is one of our great talents. He's a, he's a man in the middle. He is, for his sins, the former MVP of the British Basketball All-Stars Championships but currently playing his trade in the Hungarian league. He is, of course, GB International, Jordan Williams. Jordan, thanks for joining us in the MVP cast. Thank you for having me, man. How you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Christmas is approaching. Um, will you get time off to get home for Christmas? And I hope so. We just had a coaching change, so hopefully it gives us a few days. But our previous coach was trying to give us like, Christmas Day, so oh. hopefully i get back. We have a good break in our schedule, so... That's uh, one day at Christmas would be the Christmas Grinch, but you know, coaching changes and all that. Um, you're playing for a team called Hubner. Tell us the name of the city because I can't pronounce it. Uh, it's Nearish Hazel. It's like it took me a month, a month and a bit to get, <laughs> to get the name, but yeah, it's called Nearish Hazel. What, what's it? I mean, like, I mean, I, looking on the map, I mean, you're out, you're not that far from the Ukrainian border, you're sort of sandwiched in between that Slovakia and um, Romania. I was trying to remember the other country. Um, how do you what's your process for adjusting to a new place particularly somewhere like Hungary where the language is incredibly different yeah no because I'm living in like a small city it's like it's super tough because they don't really speak English over here I'm literally having to go places with my teammates you know and they have to translate for me so like the, the people in the shops and stuff they don't speak no English so I'll be walking into shops asking to order something and it's just the language barrier is so tough. But literally, all I do here is we practice, go home, take a nap, eat, wake up and just keep repeating the same. What's the, the, same. Pro, what's the pros and cons of that kind of environment for you as a player? Just, I feel like you can lock in when you're playing overseas in a small town. There's not really a lot of distractions. Like for, like for me last year, I was in London. So being home, being in a big city, and then making a big change, going to a small city. I think there's less distractions, you know, and you just focus on basketball and just keeping your body right. I mean, when you're right there, I mean, you sort of like, you know, eat, sleep, play basketball and repeat. Um, what do you do to kind of occupy the time? I mean, do you, are, you, are you a Netflix slave or have you, do you bring a bunch of DVDs if people even do that anymore, downloads? Um, what, what keeps you sane in the moments where you, you need to keep sane? I think just face for me, FaceTime, I FaceTime a lot back home. And obviously I got my fire sticks. So I'll be on Disney Plus a lot, you know, watching series, all that kind of stuff. How do you, um, I mean, you've traveled, we'll talk about all the places you've traveled and the things that you've seen. Um, what, what's the secret? So what's the logistics for you when, you know, you, you get to that point in the summer, you're, you know, you talk with the agent, you've got the deal, you, it's a new place. What what's the logistics? Give us a flavour of how do you 
how do you go about it? What do you take? What do you leave behind? What's the important things to, to have in the the traveling pack? I think for me, just obviously being being in London in the summer, obviously you got you're around your friends, you're around your family, you know. I'm super super close with my family, so just kinda leaving not leaving them behind, but obviously going to start a new challenge, which I always love. I always love a new challenge, you know. So just always like when my agent called me and said I got something in Hungary. I've never been to Hungary before, so just going to Hungary, <clears throat> experiencing the culture, you know, and the coaching style, the playing style. It's just a new, it's a new challenge for me. What's what's the culture? Give us a flavour of the place. I've been to well, that, that corner of Hungary. I mean, it, it it feels like a very different world. But what what's what's been the high point so far? Just you know, is the food's pretty good over here. The food's pretty good. So for me, it's just like it's it's a whole different pace of life, though. Compared to London, London's like super fast, you know, underground, traveling in central London, like walking around and stuff. Where over here, everyone's just kind of taking their time, walking around the city, like stores close for like midday, which is crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's just, it's just a whole different culture change. Like just the way you see people walking through the town, there's no rush, there's no, you know, it's just, they're just living their life just with no worries. What it, when, you, when you saw this on the map, as I'm sure as I did when you told me that the city was called, uh, and it it it, you know, it it looks like walking distance, depending how you know scalable it. But you know, it's probably forty five minutes, I would guess, from the border from Ukraine. Was there any hesitation for going just to this part of the world this season? I literally, I didn't even I didn't even know it was that close to Ukraine, <laughs> but until <laughs> I got here, literally, my agent called me at like. I think at like five o'clock in the afternoon, in the evening, and was like, "Yeah, you're leaving tomorrow." So I was like, "All right, I got a pack and just get ready to go." And yeah, you know, normally you would maybe take day trips to see other places. I'm, I'm taking you're staying nowhere or going nowhere near that border right now. Oh no, 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 definitely, yeah, no. I've I've literally only really seen Budapest. I've only really gone and seen Budapest and stuff. But I literally, because our schedule is so so crazy, we literally practice twice a day every day. So. I kind of get stuck in in this city, so I've seen Budapest a few times, but other than that, I'm just in the city. It's it's a beautiful city to see, so you can't you can't really go wrong with that. Um, compare the step for the. I I know little about the Hungarian league other than seeing the occasional team that's been playing in European competition. But put it on a, a sort of benchmark against the BBL. What's the, what's the level like in comparison to to uh, back at home? I think the beat for the BBO is BBO is more like guard oriented league. So I feel like it's a lot fast paced, you know, open play kind of open style of basketball. Whereas over here, you've got like a lot, the bigs are a lot bigger. So there's a lot like seven footers, six tens that are like pretty, like solid big bigs. So for me, <clears throat> I just think going from the BBO where the bigs are really like six, eight, six, nine, maybe that agile, we're over here. It's a slower paced game, so there's more thought put into the game, more systematic basketball. How do you feel that that changes the way that you approach the game, particularly as an import, where there's you know there's always naturally a little bit more expectation or pressure put upon you. I mean, how how do you alter your game for that kind of league? Um, I I, I kind of started off playing in like a European setup, so. Mm. For me, I always kind of missed that kind of systematic basketball. Obviously, coming coming from Bel where I started in Belgium, 
it's pretty systematic. So coming back, I've kind of missed it a little bit. But obviously, yeah, that's it really. Did you, did you feel that? I mean, London last year, and, you know, it, it was a team that was in flux in terms of, you know, the, the, the project, the building project. And you, you played 18 minutes a game, which is fine, but it's not, it's not starters minutes. It's not super heavy minutes. And you're averaging five points a game, which is, you know, we would expect more of you in the BBL. And that's a lot of that comes down to opportunities. Where was your psyche or your mentality last summer in terms of, you know, you're about to turn 27? That's peak career of what you wanted out of a, new, a different situation against maybe what you had in London last year. You know, literally for me coming, obviously I was at Worcester before London. So mm-hmm. I had a good year in Worcester. I kind of signed in London because they were playing FIBA Euro Cup, playing in Europe and stuff, which I wanted which I wanted to do. I feel like I went into that situation and I was playing well. And then I got hurt in November, which kind of messed a lot of things up for myself. I hurt my back. So from there, I never really kind of got back to playing that way I did in the beginning of the season. So I was playing pretty well in the beginning. And it was like the second half of the season was like super tough for me. Just kind of getting over the hump of the injury. And I didn't really get back until this this past summer just gone. <clears throat> did, you, did you feel that staying in the BBL was, I don't want to say the wrong step, but maybe not the right step at this point? I, for me, I just felt like I kind of accomplished certain things in the BBL that I wanted to do, you know. I was at home, I was playing at home, so I kind of wanted a new challenge of just kind of getting away and just focusing on basketball. And I think the best opportunity for me to do that was was to go overseas in a place where I can just literally focus on basketball and not have the distractions of living in London at that point. Um, and that's what my the point. You, you talked about being able to be at home and you're a London boy. Um, and being close to your family. And tell me about your mum, because she's she's been the rock through all this, hasn't she? From the oh, very start. Yeah, no, literally, she's she's the one that raised me. You know, like having a like single parent household. Like she just raised me from 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 young, and she kind of raised me to be a man and just be independent. So, it kind of gave me the opportunities I did in, in life and how I look, how my outlook on life kind of came from perspective what was the the influence she had that steered you towards sports or, or basketball uh she kind of put me from like a young age i was kind of always sporty so she put me into all different clubs as like football club you know i didn't really play basketball at that time i didn't know what basketball was but <laughs> like football rugby you know like the standard sports in the uk so obviously you and then I kind of turned into table tennis when I got to like 13. But she kind of took me everywhere. So she always gave me the opportunity to do what I want to do within sports. And literally, I was changing sports every couple of years. So she was always kind of like, you're not going to stick with one sport. But I kept changing and she was always by, always there to be my rock and behind me, you know. How, how useful is it in sports? Because, you know, you often get those those coaches or those teachers that can be that extra, maybe the male role model if, you know, for single parent you know, kids. Um, did you find that, you know, that role model or the, you know, those people you were able to take different things from, from some of your coaches or you know, people that you work with in those sports? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. My first basketball coach, he kind of gave me the opportunities to 
he kind of made me understand Europe. He took me, took us to Europe, which not a lot of coaches were doing at that time, and making like a horizon of basketball and kind of molded me into the player, also man that I am today. You know, like what? you kind of out of certain situations and kind of fun and funneled us into basketball trips and all that kind of stuff. So I'm grateful towards him. Well, sure. come back to your mum. What what's it like? You know, given everything that she's done for you, what what's it like for her now to have been this person? You're now a GB international. You're playing on the highest level, and and she you know she can come to your games from time to time. What's the what's that buzz like to be able to, I don't know, kind of kind of thank her, showcase that the the job that she's done. Oh, you know what? You know what's crazy? She didn't. It's the first ever basketball game she came to was like London Lions. <laughs> really? <laughs> Why was that? I don't know. I just think she was like super nervous because it was actually like my job now. So I don't know why, but it was always kind of like she didn't want to jinx something. I don't know. I, I don't know. But literally, I was literally at a Lions game. We was playing in the cop box. And when I was warming up and I just had like a weird feeling in the gym, I looked up and I looked directly at my mom. And she was sitting there. I was like, wow. You know, it was like, I'm really experienced with myself. And why the surprise? What you know, was was this a thing that you know she, she didn't she didn't want to put you off coming to the game? Or? I don't. Know. I've actually never asked her that question. Literally, <laughs> asked that question. I literally after the game, my sister was like, "Mom's at the game." I was just like, right, "Okay." Right. And it was you know it was I had a good game as well. Just being able to, I was just making her proud, you know. And what did she say to you afterwards, having finally seen you up close in action? Oh, she was super. She was super proud. You know, she was like, "I'm proud of you." The, the, just kind of watching me. Actually, it's it's weird. It's a weird one because you can't really express it too tough. In a way that she wanted to, at that moment, because I was like around a lot of people as well. So it was like she was like, "I'm super proud of you. Love you." And then, yeah, she just didn't want to embarrass you. Yeah, exactly. That's what that's what it is. Embarrassing. <laughs> I hope they got a courtside seat. Pardon? I hope they got no, a court side team. She was up in the she was up in the top in the top bowl because she wow. didn't want to be seen. <laughs> so it was like she didn't tell me she was coming. So it was like, it was a, it was a crazy experience. Next time court side, yeah, good, yeah, for good, sure, for good sure. seats. Um, I mean, one thing you said there, just looking back, you, you said you're a table tennis player. I mean, I always oh. you always thought that <laughs> being the short guys who are quick and nimble, and not you're quick and nimble, but you know, not short. Um, but was that was that the, the the early passion? From when I was in year eight, it was like I went to a school and it was like a rough school, but everyone kind of played table tennis at lunchtime for some reason. So I kind of got into just playing table tennis and I started enjoying it. And then I like I got to the age of fourteen, fifteen, and then I had a like a growth spot. So table tennis wasn't even an option for me anymore. <laughs> so it was like everyone was like, "Yeah, you're way too tall to be playing table tennis." So then I picked up a basketball and then I like an after school club and just started enjoying basketball. Hard, hard good way at table tennis or more to point hard competitive for uh, you? How, how competitive? I played for England, like an England cadets team. At, uh, under, it was under 15s. Wow. That was an England development team, under 15. So you, you could have been the yeah. ping pong shark of London. I, I don't know about that, but. <laughs> No, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. But it was just like, yeah, it wasn't a sport for me. I didn't like playing the solo sport. 
I felt lonely at certain points. <laughs> I was going to say there's doubles, but yeah, it's not it's not the coolest yeah, no, of sports. Yeah, especially no. not when you're your size. Not much room. Um, Literally, because I grew as yeah, I can't play this normal. <laughs> I mean, you started off playing. I mean, your two your two kind of junior clubs were were London Thunder and Granite Titans. And yeah, for somebody probably started a little bit later than everyone else. I mean, how how did they get you into this position where you were you know, a player who was ready to take off and you know go off and do do great things elsewhere? Uh, I feel like when I was at Greenwich, I was with I was with Steve Button. So mm. you know, I was only with him a short period of time, but obviously, uh, I was with him at Lucian Fonda for about half a year. And then I've moved to Greenwich with Joe Moore, you know, mm. Joe Moore. And then Joe Moore kind of just kind of mentored me in a, in, a, in a way to show me what European basketball was and kind of like broaden my horizon and understanding the game. So he took us on all these little trips to go watch in France, in Germany, just to watch these professional games, which I never experienced before, you know, ex or been exposed to. So when I came back to England, from watching the work ethic that was happening in Europe. We didn't have that work ethic in under, <clears throat> sorry, in under 16s and 18s. So just kind of bringing that back and what, from watching a France, say France pro A under 18s team compared to what we was doing. It was on a big different, it was on a different scale. And it's so such it's a bit... rare thing that John does because you know, we're quite, well, we're quite into as a nation. It's not our strongest seed. But in basketball, you know, we, we tend to look west across the Atlantic rather than to mainland Europe. But in, you know, in a sense, how much do you think that was a great perspective to get early to to understand that you know there's this there's this great place called European basketball that that does things in this way, and actually it's it's kind of cool. It's you know we might see the glamour of the NBA, but actually there's some real truths over there that we can learn from. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. I don't think that England's kind of looked the European style just yet in in the ways of taking kids to on trips or their first option is not to go to Europe. There's a few like within Queen Ellis, you know, Carl Wheatle and stuff mm. like that. But I feel like a lot of players are looking to go kind of the US route, which isn't a which isn't a bad thing. But obviously, when I was with Joel, he didn't. <clears throat> he kind of was looking more European kind of style of basketball and. European situations, development situations for myself and other players in my team. Was that one of those points where you, I guess you kind of dare to dream or you start to think, actually, I'd like to take this somewhere. I'd like to be the guy that's playing in a pro A or, you know, making this a career somewhere rather than this just being the hobby until I go to uni or something like that. You know, definitely, definitely. I feel like the first trip that he took us to, to he took us to Gravelines, and obviously I've never been in a basketball gym with that's got fans because I didn't even <laughs> go to BBOs at that point. Like I had no clue what the BBO was because I literally just only started playing basketball. So he took the first gym that I went to was Gravelines. They had drums. They had like five, six thousand people in the gym, all screaming and shouting. So from then, I felt like this is really what I want to do, and put my mind to it. It's not that far away geographically. It's just you know, it's just a short hop across to Dunkirk. Yeah, literally. Sure. Well, I mean, you say that it's an interesting point. Can you can you remember your first BBL game? My first to go watch. Yeah, I played in it. 
<laughs> which is extraordinary and says a lot about this league. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know anything. I, obviously, because I started so late, and literally, I was only playing under. There was no teams really besides. I didn't even know like, London Lions at that point it was in Crystal Palace because that's literally a twenty-minute drive from me from my house. But you yeah, know, I didn't really know about the BBL till literally I finished in Belgium. And then came back and started playing. Yeah. You yeah. you went at the age of seventeen to, as you said, Belgium to join a stand famous former club of the esteemed Nick Nurse. Um, oh, Nick Nurse was it? Nick Nurse even, of Toronto Raptors fame, former coach though. Yes, early in her, uh, early in his career, and um, you know, as a choice, you know, at that age, either. A lot of kids are going to prep school in the States or they're gearing up to go to college in the States. Um, did you did you think college or were you like, this is the option for me? Literally, because I started so late and like my coach, my coach is Joe. He kind of only really exposed us to that, to the European side of basketball. So even America at that stage wasn't kind of, we was all kind of looking towards going to European programs and developing through the European programs. Whereas like Harris, for example, hmm. like we're parents, they was all looking at America because obviously there was with Steve. Whereas because we were always kind of exposed to the, to the European, the European basketball development. And how did the stand come about? Literally Joe, uh, Joe, Joe took us to a trip. He took us a trip to play a few games in like in the summer. And the junior coach from Ostend was watching one of the games. He was literally he was playing like a third division team in a small gym, like a cold gym. And I played, I just played hard kind of. And the coaches after the game was like, I'd love you to come down to Ostend, work out with the team and see see if you fit. So <clears throat> a week later, he Joe took me to Ostend to practice with the team and then I enjoyed it and just kind of fitted in and they offered me to stay. I mean, you're, you're 17 years of age and you're plunked in the Flemish-speaking part of, of Belgium. I mean, you're, you're going through a similar thing this season, but that's you're, you're older and you're wiser now. You know how to deal with these things. How, how was that cultural transition heading abroad, strange language, relatively you know, a new career effectively? You know, what was that like for you as a young man? Just when I, it was kind of like where I just kind of started playing basketball as well and then I kind of got offered a contract. It was kind of like, it was like a surreal experience, you know? I only been playing basketball for two years and I'm getting a, I'm getting a contract. So it was like, it was, this, the language barrier was kind of tough and being in the city and being away from my mom and family and stuff was a bit tough in the beginning, in the first few weeks. But once I got settled in, it was just, you know, I was just working, literally, just trying to perfect the craft. Was was that again one of those times where you grew up and you mature and you know, you you blossom a bit because you're you're tested and you're you're having to push through discomfort more mental than physical at this point, but you know, to to really kind of embrace an opportunity but also embrace the challenges that it brings. Yeah, no, definitely. I think my biggest challenge was I didn't know how to cook. <laughs> but they threw me in an apartment. At 16, 17, like, and was like, yeah, this is your apartment. I didn't, I didn't really wash my, like, I knew how to wash my clothes, obviously, but their washing machines look a bit different. But just like cooking, 
just learning how to cook different meals and stuff like that was was a huge thing. And what do you do? Yeah. Do you like you know send for I don't know the the Daily Smith cookbook or whatever you know was available or how how do you grasp that challenge? I just kind of was on Facetime to my mom a lot in the beginning. <laughs> I was on like I was doing a bunch of stuff, but I used to cook pasta every day, so I was like pasta and chicken, pasta and chicken. And then I started to broaden my horizon and just start cooking other things. Yeah, I had that experience of living off the you know the instant packet pasta. That was oh. you know, a first year of not much culinary exploration, <laughs> but you know you get there. We I learn these boil, things. Boil pasta. I definitely know how to boil pasta. <laughs> <laughs> what are you? What's your cooking skills like now? My cooking skills now are oh, it's Uber Eats. <laughs> Even I'm in hungry. Here. Now I've got some money in my pocket. So yeah, I eat out every day, pretty what much. What a life. It's kind of cheaper than cooking. I don't know why I say that, but for it's, me... It's just, not. It's not. You're, you're just, you're not pricing it, right? Time's consuming, you know, I can just go down <laughs> to, the, to the restaurant, grab, a, I don't know, like a chicken pasta alfredo or something and come back and eat and go back, yeah. Is that one of those things? I, I was talking to... Uh, to affect someone you know, but Kieran Achara about this a few weeks ago, yeah. and he was he was telling me you know this this thing it doesn't happen in the BBL it happens in a lot of European cities and European clubs where you know, you rock up and you get this handbook and it might be you know, it might be a ring binder it might be a book but yeah you, know, you get the here's all the good restaurants here's the places where if you go there and you say who you are or they recognise you you'll either get a free meal or a cheap meal or these are the places to go. Um, I mean, do you, do you get those in your your current team? Do you have you had those in other teams? And you know, how do you how do you ritually go through the restaurant list? So pretty much for me, it's kind of like my team manager. When I got here, my team manager kind of took me around the city because obviously you have to open a bank account and mm. that kind of. Stuff. And I took me around the city, showed me the good places to go, the best restaurants, you know, the best like closed supermarkets, all that kind of stuff. Really, like, or you just kind of hear it through your teammates and stuff, you know, like. Literally, that's literally how I found out, just mm. from my team manager. I mean, you said you liked the the food. What's what's the best Hungarian dish so far? I don't know if they got. I don't know what they they love soup over here. Yeah, they like the cabbage soup. Yeah, they love. The, yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, but they've got like beef soup and all different like chicken soup and stuff like that. But for me, I think I don't think they have actual dishes, if I'm honest. But the the foods because we have a restaurant. That we, that's a sponsor for our mm. club so we can get we get meals there every day and their food's pretty good so I can't complain so basically it's like it's out of that or cook your own uh, it's, like, it's kind of like schnitzels but like chicken schnitzels and mm. mashed potatoes chicken or rice like just kind of normal stuff but they season it okay ish when you decided right now I've had enough of or of, you know, of, of Belgium. And, you know, and you went to the, the second team, and it wasn't wasn't a great situation. You come back, and you go to Surrey. Um, did, how how was that transition? Yeah, you know, we talked about you know a lot of times from people going from going to America and coming to Europe, or coming from the you know the, the BBL and trying their their luck in Europe. You came the other way round, so you kind of learned your trade. Then you come back mm-hmm. to the BBL. How how did you find? that that different style of play because you know you're coming from a european and you know quotes to style play into the bbl where it's as you said guard oriented it's fast and um, was that a tough shock 
so for me, it was literally when I left Ostend, because I left, I left Ostend, thinking I wanted a new, like a change of situation, mm. situation, because I always like new changes. So when I left Ostend, I went to GB on the 20s that summer. Mm. And I got hurt in GB on the 20s, literally just before we went to the, I think we went to Euros. So I was out, I was injured <clears throat> until uh, I think mid-December, like early December. Mm. So for me getting the European team again was pretty tough. I don't know why I didn't go back to Ostend, which I should have. Mm. But obviously you learn from your mistakes sometimes. And then I, I spoke to Mark Considine and he was like, Surrey might be a good fit for if you want to go and practice with them because they're down the road from you. So then I went to practice with Surrey and, you know, Creon, Creon was like, yeah, pack a bag, come and stay at my house for a week and see how you like it and stuff like that. So I did that. And I just kind of like being back home, you know. So I was away for, for two, like two and a half years. So just being back home, being able to see my mom again, my friends, you know, just going, just doing stuff was like, was nice. Did you find it was challenging you in a different way to, to play in the BBL? Uh, at the beginning, it was, I went into like, we had like a super, like a, not a, I wouldn't say a bad situation, but we only had like a seven man roster at mm. that time. So, and the exposure for the BBL wasn't what it is now. You know, it's like, it's evolved crazy in the last few years. I feel like personally, but I just feel like for me going to the, into the BBL, <clears throat> I kind of went into my comfort zone, which I wouldn't say is the the greatest of things. But you know, it was just being at home, being around family. I was comfortable, and I just like being around people again, with that speaks English. You know, what's that environment like? I mean, you know, sadly, I didn't leave now, Creon, but you know, he's such a great guy we all love Creon. but guys come always come there in the summer and they work out there you know because he has this environment where, where he welcomes very welcomed you know she's past tense now but you know welcome people in what was it about about that environment that you know, worked for you because you know you had two spells there yeah literally because because Creon, Creon was a, like like i said from like i didn't even know Creon at the beginning and he said she said pack a bag and come and live in my house for a week so it was literally like he doesn't know who I am. He doesn't know me, and he invited me into his home. It takes like a special kind of person to do that, you know. So like he's very family orientated, like kind of guy. So when people come back at summer and go down to Surrey Sports Park when he was there, it was kind of like a like he had the best interest for everybody at heart, you know. So he wanted best to do best by by everybody. Was that a similar kind of atmosphere when you went? down to Worcester as well yeah Worcester literally Worcester was kind of the same but that kind of obviously that kind of relationship kind of happened super quick because obviously I, I didn't really know Matt. I knew Matt Newby from playing up in with him playing in Leeds mm. but when he called me and said I got a situation in Worcester are you interested I found, I found he was kind of had the same kind of vibe that the Creon qualities that Creon had it must surprise you a bit like me. I saw him up at the um, London Basketball Challenge a few weekends ago. And it still, I said to him, it still surprised me at someone like Matt, the success he's had, knowledge he's had. And yeah, here he is, he can't get a coaching job in this country. Yeah, there's, a, there's only a few teams in the BBL, you know, and obviously BBL teams have all kind of 
have their have their direction that they're going in, you know. So I feel like Matt obviously if they if Worcester carried on, that would have been a great situation for for Matt, you know. But obviously because all the other situations in the BBL kind of have their coaches already solidified in, in the clubs, it's gonna be hard for him. Yeah, fingers crossed. He gets he gets another chance very soon. Yeah. Um London last season. We mentioned about the kind of injury and everything, but you said about the, you know, this league and how it's progressed. You know, maybe as a player, when you've you've come and gone a bit, you maybe see this even more clearly than those of us who kind of just see it all the time. You don't kind of you're only noticing the changes in very incremental terms. But how how different did that feel that London experience? With, you know all the the ambition and everything around it, and we see it even more so this season. But you know, how did did that feel like something quite new last year in terms of the ambition levels? Yeah, definitely. I feel like they. I feel like the organisation was still trying to kind of figure things out last year because obviously they had Vince. Mm. It was head coach and GM, and sorry, not GM. He was still head coach in the club and stuff, you know. So I feel like they were still making changes that year. And they kind of didn't know what kind of direction. They obviously knew what direction they wanted to go in, but obviously that year it was kind of kind of ironing things out for this year, for the success they're having this year. How strange was that a season? Because it's you know it will never be known as the season of the three head coaches. Um, you know, you're on the inside of that. Um, it looked yeah, you know, it looked all bizarre on the outside. What was it like to be on the inside of it? I mean, it's just staying professional in those situations, you know, like coaching changes happen everywhere throughout the world, you know, like, and you kind of, as a player, you got to kind of deal with that, you know. Also, we had a lot of injuries within the team. So I feel like with that and the coaching changes, it wasn't the ideal situation. So, yeah, it was, it was pretty tough. In, but obviously then I got hurt in November. So for me, I kind of had to battle my own personal issues, like problems. Ron Smith now as head coach, you know, it's first proper year as a head coach. Um, and, you know, it's taken the lines of some great European wins and, you know, the, the league, they're, they're in the lead. We can be reasonably confident predict they're going to pick up a bunch of trophies this year. I think, you know, it's not going to be, I think it's, you know, one of those years where they stumble again. And last year he was there quietly behind the scenes and we don't know what job title it was or not, but, Everyone I've spoken to this year talks a about the fact he's you know he's a nice guy, he's an approachable guy, but also tactically, technically, very sharp, a very bright young mind. What what was what what can you tell us about him in terms of the way that he he was able to work with you and work with the players? I feel like for me it was like when he came in, it kind of gave us a few principles defensively at that stage because he wasn't head coach. So obviously, when he came in, and he's, I think he came from Toronto Raptors, he he implemented the Toronto Raptors defense, which gave us definitely some success in in the European games for sure. Just kind of just giving us kind of things because he has a system. His system, his system, sorry, is Euro, is like American based. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're having a lot of success in Europe because they're playing fast tempo basketball not the European style basketball. So it's kind of throwing a few teams off, I think. What what qualities has he got that 
can make him a successful head coach in his own right when it's his team and his you know his responsibility and his philosophy to the fore. Right, he he has a great attention to detail for sure. That's and his work ethic is is outstanding. Like just even to when I was playing when we was playing in London, the way he packed his bag for our travel trips, everything was in such like organizations, compartments, all that kind of stuff. Just that kind of shows you kind of what kind of person he is, you know. And he was just down to the T. Everything was organized and and prepared. You've oh god, I think three GB caps if I'm counting correctly and taking certain databases to be correct. Um, I mean, you played in the recent two games, coming back um, for off off the summer World Cup qualifiers. Um, but if you had that debut before Eurobasket last year, and, and you know, I'm sure the injury factored in. But you know, hard, hard knowing was it to probably just miss out for reasons you know slightly beyond your control in, in being at that major tournament in the summer. Uh, for me, it was just kind of obviously just that first. Mark gave me opportunity in November to be part of the GB national team. So for me, it was just being part of it for me. A bit like just being able to get in and just be a part of the the situation was 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 good for me. You know, just playing against Greece and just experiencing playing with the national team. So for me, that was a like it was an honor and it was a great experience. Uh, in the summer, I think that's when Nate Nate came in as head coach, and he kind of had. His twelve, but obviously I went into camp, and he had his twelve already, which is which is you know that's his twelve. So I was just kind of just glad to be in a situation. To be fair, do you feel like now we we don't know what the head coaching situation is going to be come the new year, but do you feel now that you've got that experience? You've got you know, you've made the name for yourself. You know you've 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 come in, you've put in a shift, you've you've impressed that now. You have an opportunity, perhaps, to for the next four years, five years, the next kind of cycle to to make a place your own. I mean, that not, that must rank highly in the ambition list now. Yeah, for sure. Hopefully, hopefully, you know, just getting better every day and practicing. You know, getting better as a basketball player, as a person, and just maturing as a basketball player, obviously, just and having an opportunity to to get on the on the national stage floor. You know, that's so. I'm just taking day by day. Just yeah, just going from there. What what do you learn about international basketball that you can only really learn by playing international basketball? I think playing with a national team is like you have a super bunch of talented guys and only a short term window to get kind of together. So I feel like Mark done a great job this past window to kind of get us prepared for two games, two tough, very tough games, Serbia and Latvia, within the space of a few days. And it's it's kind of tough to get chemistry like that, but obviously I feel like just what we had in those three four days was we prepared very well, you know. Christmas, Christmas, as we said, is coming up. Um, assuming that you can get back and have a break, what what's it going to be? Is it you know, do you, as an athlete, do you always have to stay professional, you know, lean and mean, or, you know, do you allow yourself a couple of days of excess of, you know, stuffing your face like the rest of us mortals? Oh, I'm definitely having a cheat day. <laughs> Just one? One or two cheat days. Yeah, no, Christmas Day and Boxing Day is kind of big for me, like family eating and stuff like that. But even, I, I eat a lot now. I'm a big guy, so 
You can burn it off easier than the rest well, of us. My, yeah, my cheat day is pretty much every other day. <laughs> and what's uh, you know for next year? I mean, let's let's look ahead. We're just a few, you know, few weeks away from the end of the year. I mean, you know, it's, it's probably don't know if it's too early to make New Year's resolutions, but what would you like out of next year? What's what's the resolution or if, if or the ambition? Maybe you would goal you would set yourself. Uh, just to keep improving and you know try and rack some wins up with it with, with my team that I'm at now. Because we have like a super young team, so we've kind of been struggling. But I feel like with this new coach coming in and just us improving as a team, just trying to get some wins on our belts. And at the end of the season, do we do we see you back in the BBL or do you gallivant somewhere else? I only I only look past today. <laughs> I don't look into the future. I don't know. Just whatever the opportunity kind of kind of brings, you know. Like I don't look too far ahead. I just kind of look in the present and just take every day you know I don't take no days for granted well we hope there's plenty more great days ahead for you and plenty more great opportunities um, have a nice Christmas when it comes and good luck next year and um, thanks for stopping by the MVP cast appreciate it man thanks for having me thanks Jordan that is it for this edition of the podcast don't forget you can get all our previous editions via your preferred podcast provider or at our website at mvp247.com if you want to reach out to me you can get me on Twitter at Mark Britball. Another edition of the podcast coming very, very soon. But for me, Mark Woods, thank you so much as always for listening, and it's goodbye. Mm-hmm.